Hi, I'm David Dodge. Welcome to Green Energy Futures. Richard Allen is the chair of United Hydrogen, a conglomerate of 37 hydrogen companies working to bring hydrogen solutions towards the goal of getting to net zero. United Hydrogen is based in Australia, and the idea is to bring hydrogen companies together to collaborate on marketing and business development and to take advantage of a growing market for hydrogen expected to reach $201 billion by 2025. We're pleased to present our full interview with the chair of United Hydrogen, Richard Allen. There's much talk and progress towards developing net zero electricity grids, but you don't often hear about the solutions for the other 80% of energy that we consume in liquid or gaseous forms in our buildings, vehicles, and industry. In this wide-ranging interview, Richard Allen talks about the sweet spots for hydrogen as well as the challenges. We often hear about how renewable energy is creating distributed energy sources, but Allen suggests hydrogen could be developed similarly by building production facilities close to the end users, such as filling stations or industry. Hydrogen has the potential to help reduce emissions in transportation, buildings, and industry, areas responsible for most greenhouse gas emissions. But some applications seem much more appropriate than others, and in the end, economics and energy efficiency will likely determine the roles that hydrogen will play. I'm Richard Allen. I'm the chairman of United Hydrogen Limited. Um, My background is um, more than 40 years in the energy business, of which 20-odd years was in the in the conventional blue and black energy, which is uh, gas and and, hyd- and, uh, and uh, normal oil. And then I've trans- transitioned into renewables and been very heavily involved in uh, biomass. And then we've obviously looked at all of the en- renewable energy sources. And um, finally, we are chasing hydrogen. So, Richard, you're part of uh, this uh I, I think you guys call it a hydrogen conglomerate. So what is the name of that company again? What is it? Who's in it? And what do you guys do? Uh, United Hydrogen is, is a conglomerate. So it's an aggregation of a lot of different businesses across the hydrogen space. So the, the aim is that uh, we find, find industry or parts of the industry that aren't well served. We look to identify a solution in that space and then we build a businesses around it. So at the moment, there's around 37 different companies in the conglomerate. And uh, of those 37 companies, um, we have uh, a lot, you know, across all of the supply chain from uh, basically production of hydrogen to transport of hydrogen, storage of hydrogen, end use, use of hydrogen across whether it be stationary or mobile equipment. And we are building that um, those businesses, and then obviously as they grow to the point where they are self-sustaining and big enough, they don't need the help of a big brother like United Hydrogen, then they either exit the group or either fully or partially, and then we go on and look for other opportunities to keep growing the business. So it's, the idea is to uh, stronger together, kind of. Correct, yes. Uh, we, we, we're not investors in builders, we're builders of businesses. And then we use this, uh, the aggregation, obviously, to provide the opportunities for individual businesses to be pulled, in, pulled through into other opportunities. So if you're a producer and you need a market, you need a customer, well, we can provide both those solutions across the group. So are you like a sort of a marketing arm or a business development arm or all of the above? 
all of the above. It's um, it's a it's somewhat unique in the sense of the the actual business model itself. Um, it is quite a disruption compared to, compared to the normal way of funding, um, uh, you know, re- renewables or funding new new businesses. Um, but yeah, it is it is a business where we actually bring the opportunities for people who normally are technocrats who don't have a lot of experience in the markets, how to raise capital, how to promote their businesses and how to structure their businesses, get the governance in place, and all of those other things that makes a successful business. United Hydrogen brings those parts of the the puzzle together and and, um, supports that business through its growth phase and then looks to exit sometime in the future when the value has obviously been increased in that business. And is United Hydrogen based in Australia? And if so, how, how did that come to be? Uh, United Hydrogen started in 2019. It was a group of two, two founders of the, of the business. Um, they originally identified an opportunity for, um, you know, hydrogen as a fuel for, um, for basically industrial businesses. Uh, they created a company called H2X. Uh, H2X has now built the first uh, hydrogen-powered uh, pickup truck. Um, that's built on a Ford Ranger base, so it's a, it's now... They've grown from that point to the point where they've got garbage trucks into 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 Sweden and other places. They've got a large order book, and they're at the point of uh, listing on the London Stock Exchange. So let's circle back to the top. Let's talk about why hydrogen. Why do we care about hydrogen? What's the big deal? The big deal is that it's um, it's it's everywhere to start with. Uh, when it combusts, it produces water and not CO two. Um, it is. Uh, it has a very high energy density. It's obviously three times the hydrogen de- energy density of, um, of gasoline. And it's ideal as a transport fuel into the future. And uh, it is baseload power. It's not intermittent power. Uh, you've got PV cells behind you in your picture. Well, the sun's shining, they're working. And when the wind's blowing, the, the turbines are turning. Um, but when neither of those two things are happening... We're falling back at the moment, and we're seeing it in Europe, uh, where they're actually reverted back to coal-fired power stations in Germany because they don't have that capacity to uh, continue to operate with renewables. So I've also heard it put by a hydrogen guy, uh, the importance of hydrogen can't be underestimated in one sense because we talk a lot about electricity and you know, making electricity net zero. There's a lot of focus on that. But actually, most of the energy used is not electricity. It's it's other energy in gaseous forms. Uh, talk about how important that sector is if we're going to reduce emissions. Well, certainly let's talk about the transport space. Um, you know, you're, Alberta, like Western Australia, you're energy states. And uh, we, we have very heavy reliance on oil and gas in Western Australia, lots of gas. Uh, and most of our structures driven around gas. Um, and we also have a huge exporter of LNG. Um, but the transport areas where we have long distances, you have long distances in Canada as well, and heavy transport. So we run road trains, and uh, road trains run 20, multiple drivers run 24-7. Those trucks can't afford to stop and, and spend hours and hours refueling with, with from a battery. So the place, you know, the, the area that we're obviously focused on in terms of uh, hydrogen usage is into mobile equipment, whether it be trucks, trains, planes, or, or other methods, boats as well, um, and using hydrogen as the fuel, primary fuel to replace um, hydrocarbon-based fuels. And areas where we can see, see 
massive changes are we're seeing direct combustion with hydrogen into uh, conventional you know, um, ICE engines. And also we're seeing massive changes in fuel cell technologies to um, go from hydrogen to electric as um, in, in terms of fuel cells being the, the, the primary conversion process. So in terms of... I've heard the other... Go ahead. In terms of the overall uh, market, you know, transport, certainly if you look at the UK, for instance, transport um, around 30% of their total emissions. And of that um, transport, um, 86% of it is road transport. So it's a massive impact uh, coming from, from road transport that is um, contributing to their greenhouse gas emissions. And the same applies pretty much in Australia. The same, I think America's pretty much the same. I can't say exactly what Canada is, but um, I think we're all pretty much the same. So uh, planes, trains, ships, and, and transportation sorts of things are big. I, I've also heard that uh, industry could be a big user. Obviously, the industry uses a lot of gas uh, for, for energy, for heating purposes, for process purposes. Um, and you know, the ability to replace um, natural gas or, or you know, any, any other form of hydrocarbon gas with hydrogen is very real. Um, there are challenges around distribution of the hydrogen through the, the gas pipelines because of the embrittlement of uh, the steel uh, caused by the hydrogen. Uh, but these are techni- te- technical challenges that will be overcome. Coatings will solve problems. And um, we have uh, ongoing conversation with ACCO here in Australia about being able to put uh, hydrogen into their networks. Uh, they have distributed networks in small regional towns, generally using LNG, uh, where they distributed the gas via road transport and uh, then put it into the network. Um, so we, we see opportunities, not only the major networks, uh, but also into the more more regional sub networks that are operated to distribute gas for heating, and obviously heating. Um, we don't heat our houses the same way as you do in North America, here in Australia. But um, certainly, where gas is used currently for heating uh, domestically in America or industrially, then um, potentially changing that to hydrogen is very real. It's great. I think I'm going to circle back on that. But first, let's talk about uh, Alberta's conventional energy industry seems to be betting big on hydrogen. And they seem pretty, but they seem pretty focused on producing it from natural gas. So that does present some challenges in order to play a role in the international market or perhaps the local market. Uh, What are some of those challenges? Well, if you're going to use natural gas, then, um, you know, obviously the technologies around carbon capture are going to come into play. Um, for hydrogen to be the replacement for natural gas, then it's got to be green hydrogen or very low carbon hydrogen. Now, carbon, you know, the, the ability to capture carbon out of the hydrogen, uh, out of production of hydrogen, the technologies are evolving, they're getting better. Um, we can see about 70% efficiencies at the moment in some of the technologies, which is good. But certainly the area has got to be that uh, they've either, they're going to have to either be carbon capture or green sources of energy to produce their car to produce the hydrogen so if you're using wind or solar for electrolyzers then obviously it's green green hydrogen uh, but using um, stripping hydrogen out of uh, natural gas it's, it's obviously without capturing the carbon you're not really going forward you're just going sideways yeah and how much of a handicap is that because they're all talking about oh we'll capture the carbon using ccs but Almost nobody's doing it, and it's pretty expensive. 
is very expensive and also the efficiencies so far just haven't been there of the scale that you're going to need. If you're talking about, you know, the scale of producing, I think I've seen numbers 40,000 tonnes of hydrogen, uh, 40 million tonnes of hydrogen a year coming out of Alberta, you know, that is a scale that is huge and uh, to be able to to have the technology to capture that much uh, carbon and then store it safely um, is going to be the... Is, is obviously a major technical challenge. How much of a challenge is it to export hydrogen? I, I, what I've heard is it's it's better to use it where you make it uh, because there's challenges with getting it around the world. Talk about those challenges. Well, obviously the compression is either you've got to, you're either going to go cryogenics or you're going to go into compression and compression 700 odd bar. You know the, the numbers, the high pre, high pressure tanks. Uh, the ability in, in hydrogen is very, very sneaky. It can get through um, all sorts of mediums. So you've got to make sure that whatever you're storing it in is um, impermeable to uh, hydrogen. So, um, yeah, the, the ability to transport is potentially, I think there's a lot of work using ammonia as the, as the transport medium. And I think that may be where the technology will go because um, there's already been some scale that's been looked at, certainly for marine use, for, hard, uh, for ammonia fuels, for, um, for, for shipping. And uh, that's an area I think that um, we'll see some progress. We're also seeing with one of the um, United Hydrogen Companies, um, Aviation H2, they're working with ammonia fuels for aircraft. And they're at the point where they're about ready to start trials on, um, on, a, on a normal uh, turbine. Uh, using their ammonia fuel technology to uh, run their turbine. So I think that ammonia is going to play a big part. So if you're advising a company right now, given what you know and given what it looks like, the challenges of transporting it, would you advise them to focus like 80% on a local or regional market? Like how would you, what, what would your advice be? Oh, absolutely. Bilateral trades is, is obviously the, the easiest way to do it. Um, create, a, create a demand where where the end user is. An example would be, you could have a hydrogen filling station out in the middle of um, yeah, Alberta or middle of Western Australia. As long as you've got a water source you can, and you've got some sun, and we've got lots of sun generally or some wind, you could put a small wind generator, a small solar farm and uh, electrolyzer there. You could produce hydrogen on the spot, put a refueler next to it, and you've got a, got a fuel station. So that would be – that's an example of, of how you could integrate – the supply chain. Alberta also has, and I'm not sure if you know this, but the best solar and uh, wind resources in Canada, uh, lots of it. And actually it, it was until our government put a, put a stall on it. It was the fastest growing in Canada. Uh, so is that, you know, is, how expensive is electrolysis and is that getting better? What's the outlook there? Electrolysis is getting better. There's a lot of work happening in that space as well. Uh, efficiencies of electrolysis are getting better, the, and also uh, the membranes are getting better. Uh, we, we're seeing rapid changes in the, the industry. Um, but theoretically, um, you could run basically a, a wind, solar, electrolysis generator in a, on a small scale to produce hydrogen to run a, a fuel station economically. I can't give you the numbers of the actual cost of hydrogen, but... Yeah, we obviously everybody wants to try and get hydrogen down to um, two dollars a kilo. Um, if it's two dollars a kilo and you've got no tax effects, it's 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 more it's cheaper than diesel. So um, if if they if that target is achieved, like, we can see five dollars at the moment. So it's coming down, but um, it's it's still probably slightly more expensive than conventional um, uh, hydrocarbon fuels. 
Do you expect that to come down? Because it looks like there's a lot of enthusiasm for renewable created hydrogen. Uh, we, we'll see it come down to a level that um, is, is certainly competitive with where we sit today with hydrocarbon fuels. You mentioned you're working with ATCO. They actually have a pilot going in uh, Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta, where they're blending 20%. Uh, and their aspiration now is, and that's gone, not 20%, sorry, 5%. They wanted to do 20%, but they had some approval issues. Uh, but now they're working on a greenfield, and they're, they'd really like to develop a 100% hydrogen community. What do you think of hydrogen for heating buildings, especially when you think about you know, the competition, uh, the other ways you can do that, such as heat pumps? Well, heat pumps, I think that's the, that's the route that the United Kingdom's gone is heat pumps. And uh, some numbers have come out just recently in the last 24 hours about what the impost's going to be on on in consumers of going that route, which is going to be a, a huge, huge individual impost. Um, but heat pumps still need energy source, and that's electricity. So where's that electricity going to come from that's baseload? I know we're circling around to electricity, but, uh, you know, the, that fundamental issue is still there, that if you want to run heat pumps, you, A, you've got to have the infrastructure to support the heat pumps in terms of the distribution network because it's a change in the UK where they're going to put a lot more a lot more load on their distributed electricity system. And um, then they've still got to have the electricity to, to run those heat pumps and it's got to be either it's going to be nuclear, it's going to be wind, or it's going to be solar. Now, at the moment, you know, wind on land in the UK is, um, is basically su- suspended, something similar to issues in Alberta. And um, though, those issues, obviously, if you go offshore, Offshore wind's expensive. So hydrogen, though, as, as a home heating uh, solution, also has its challenges, though, doesn't it? Because you require different appliances. Uh, you require the public to accept the idea of using hydrogen in their homes. Um, you know, like, there are some obstacles. Oh, there are obstacles, yes. Guarantee, guarantee there are obstacles. There are technical obstacles. There are, there are other challenges. Um, but... Those challenges, I think, um, uh, solutions are, are basically are either in 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 field being developed or, or or right now identified how to solve the problems. I think that the the knowledge is there and the understanding is there to make it work. It's just that you've got to catch up with the uh, the, the actual technology to make it happen in a in a large scale to um, to make sure everybody stays safe because obviously it's a as I said before, you know. It, Hydrogen's got an energy density three times out of petrol. So it, it's, it's got a big bang in its back. So we've talked a lot about challenges. Uh, talk about the potential of hydrogen. So if you're giving me your big pitch about why hydrogen's going to save the world, and maybe it won't save the world by itself, uh, but you know what? what why, why should I be looking at hydrogen? Give me, the bit, give me your best pitch for it. Well, it's not about hydrogen is everywhere. Um, it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a fuel source that's dominated by the Middle East or Russia or any other source. So, so from a sovereign risk perspective, if for any country they have the ability to be energy independent, as long as they've got the ability to to extract that hydrogen. So, um, I think that that is you know if you take away that source of tension, uh, which we see you know right across the world when it comes to energy security, um, that would be a major step forward for the world. And also the ability for everybody to have access to that sort of energy in, in doesn't matter where you live, in what country or 
whatever regime, um, I think that's also a very, very big positive. So we're going to see a major change to the way this, you know, the world looks at, high, at energy because you know, we're so focused around the Middle East, we're so focused around the countries, and some countries aren't that friendly, that have, um, have access to, to large amounts of hydrocarbons. So geopolitically, I think it'll be a great move for hydrogen to take over as the energy source. Well, I know in, uh, we interviewed Greg Caldwell from ATCO, and he made the point that, um, you know, of global energy use, uh, you know, 80% is not electricity or something like that. It was a really big number. And so mm. hydrogen is potentially there to address a big chunk of that big chunk. Yes. No, that's true. Well, that's why, you know, we have conversations with people like ATCO because, uh, you know, we see that this, it is a broad ranging fuel. And you look at the industries that uh, that can support it's it's you know it's infinite the amount of solutions that are out there. So I understand you're looking at Canada. Uh, what? Why have you got your eyes on Canada, and what are you looking to do? Uh, basically, we're going to do it. We got a list on the Canadian Stock Exchange, and the reason for that is that um, I think there's a better understanding um, in the northern you know, North America around uh, hydrogen as an energy source going forward. Uh, there are greater inducements. There's all the money, you know, all the money is flowing to North America uh, because of the in, inducement of the uh, uh, the IRA in North America, the Canadian schemes um, to 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 basically develop the hydrogen industries or renewable industries, and um, that's the reason for us to go there because um, you know that is where that's where the money is, where the opportunity to grow is. Um, but we only, we see that as a, a stepping stone into into growing this business across not only North America, Canada, and and then into Europe, um, but it also gives us a global platform to help bring many of these other companies into the global markets. Do you have Canadian companies in your conglomerate now, and do you plan, or do you plan to add some? We certainly look to add some. We we are creating a Canadian company. We'll have a Canadian Canadian business with office and people on the ground uh, post listing, which uh, we're halfway through that process at the moment. So. Sometime in the fourth quarter this year, we will we will list on the CSE, and then um, you know we'll have an office that will open, most likely in in uh, Toronto, but it potentially it could be Calgary, wherever the energy you know the energy capital of uh, of Canada is, is is probably Calgary, but um, we'll certainly go to Toronto first. Is there anything else we didn't touch on, Richard? That you think we should? You know, I, I think it's interesting. That you brought up the question of um, the the. You know, the understanding of hydrogen as an energy source. I think that um, I had this conversation with my wife. You know, she says uh, hydrogen. That sounds scary to me. You say, well, you know, we've got to educate people that uh, gas is scary if you don't manage it. Petrol scary if you don't manage it. Uh, you've got to manage hydrogen, and uh, in the same safe way as we do these other entities, and we will, and we'll develop the systems and processes, and make sure that uh, hydrogen is a safe, safe fuel for the future. Uh, are you aware of other companies? Because Atco's working with a company called Gradient Thermal in Calgary, Alberta, and they're uh, they make boilers and furnaces, and they're actually in the in the uh, latter stages of creating and designing a hundred percent hydrogen furnace. Oh, really? No, we're not familiar with them, um, but certainly it really needs to understand who's out there doing that sort of thing because those furnaces are going to be very important, certainly for industrial and uh, domestic use. It's hard, though, to convince a small company, and I guess Hatco probably did it with dollars, <laughs> to, 
you know, a small company to start developing something that may or may not play a big role, uh, but could play a big role. You know, it's kind of like a little bit of a crapshoot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it is little chicken and egg stuff, but um, I think that, uh, you know, ATCO have got a lot to, you know, they, they can see that the writing's on the wall for their conventional gas distribution network, and they need to uh, find another solution. And um, they're very proactive at the moment. Well, one of my seminal moments of the last year or so, Richard, was hearing Greg Caldwell say, there's no future for natural gas and heating buildings. I thought, whoa, I just heard a gas guy say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, is, it's, it is such a change um, in the way we think and have to think that, um, yeah, it's, it's good to see that companies like ATCO you know, are visionary, visionary enough to be able to sort of make these moves at this stage rather than wait till uh, their business has gone down the tubes. Well, I think it's really fascinating to watch. You know, I, 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 it's, it's easy to see the potential for planes, trains, and ships, and even industry. Uh, and, you know, I, but I think even Greg, when he characterized the potential of hydrogen for heating buildings, uh, he said, really, there's two solutions. There's heat pumps and there's hydrogen. And uh, he said, in the end, it'll be economics that'll decide that. And so I think a lot is resting on the economics of CCS for that to work for them, unless they're going to make green hydrogen and it's suddenly more economic. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, <clears throat> but I think that uh, carbon capture is, is, is going to be a very big part of the future. I think, it'll, I think that, uh, that will be part of the mix. Um, and also, I think that we're going to see distributed energy become more part of the mix rather than than distributed electricity. You know, so di- distributed generation rather than distributed electricity. So go to the source of where the energy requirements are, and that's where you generate your hydrogen. Well, thanks very much, Richard, for taking the time. I, I really think uh, I want to follow hydrogen. Uh, we're, we've actually got a pl- uh, train pilot running in Alberta. There's a couple of CP engines. Uh, there's a trucking pilot going on, part of this hydrogen hub thing. And like I said, there's a, a lot of push behind us from conventional uh, energy, especially here. Yeah, we're seeing the same thing in Western Australia. We, you know, the large mining entities, which are very heavy energy users, um, are, you know, especially one of the larger ones, uh, Fortescue, to basically an iron ore producer. Um, they're very focused around um, converting everything to hydrogen. So, um, you know, and we'll see the bigger companies, the BHPs, the Rio Tintos, they'll fall along sometime soon. But um, it's interesting. Someone's got to be a leader. Well, I'm looking forward to see seeing which parts are coming from rose-colored glasses and which parts kind of work out. So am I. So am I. <laughs> uh great i heard you by the way on uh, markham hislip's uh podcast he's also from alberta so thanks very much uh have a great day and thanks for taking the time no no good to talk to you thank you we've been speaking with richard allen the chair of united hydrogen a conglomerate of 37 hydrogen companies that are collaborating to develop hydrogen solutions on the road to net zero Check out some of our other stories on hydrogen and other clean energy solutions at greenenergyfutures.ca. For Green Energy Futures, I'm David Dodge.